Hello and welcome to the Grace Point Henderson podcast. My name is Parker and I serve as the lead pastor at Grace Point Church in Henderson, Kentucky. This is a continuation of our series to the book of 1 Peter, Living Hope, in an exposition through chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast. We're not used to long-winded, I don't know. So, um, anyway... Chrissy, thank you so much, and I appreciate uh, Marsha's place and volunteers that are here, uh, those of you that are members, um, and uh, appreciate you as well, any guests. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn them on, turn them to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, While you're turning there, I just want to continue to echo that. Um, The thing I love about Marsha's place is that they not only proclaim uh, that life is vital and life is important, uh, but more so eternal life, and, and, and pointing us and pointing the community Uh, pointing mothers, pointing all people uh, to the good news of Jesus. And so, uh, church, let's come around, around side them. Let's help them. Uh, Let's grab baby bottles. Let's fill them up. Let's let's help uh, this great ministry in our community and be a partner with them uh, together. So we're going to continue in our series this morning uh, through the book of 1 Peter. Uh, We've been watching or marching through the last few weeks about how God moves through his spirit-inspired, Christ-centered, exalting, God-exalting word. Uh, We've said four points now over the last couple of weeks, two and two. We said that the word of God brings about new birth. The word of God is the good news uh, from verse 25b. The word of God is living and abiding. The word of God remains forever. And we've been talking about this connection between the word of God and the spirit of God at work through his word. All of it pointing to, again, that notion of this spirit-filled, Christ-centered, God-exalting word that the Lord works through. And so we have the whole passage this morning is beginning in 1 Peter, the very end of chapter 1, and then flowing into chapter 2, the first three verses, I think that's going to make sense. And it's because Peter is stranding together an argument. He kind of took a break for a second, but my hope is that we'll tie these two uh, notions together. So let's read this together, and then we will expound the text. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, And all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that by your Spirit you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. Father, that we would see Christ exalted in this text, that we would see him and grow in our affections and our pursuit of Christ and your word. God, I pray that by your spirit you would help us to receive and believe and obey your word. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. 
So as I said, the last couple of weeks, we're kind of moving into more practical implications and practical application because the truths that we have been hearing, namely, require a response from us. And so Peter has been kind of building this. And so by nature of Peter building this, we are going to build in that way. So we heard a lot about the doctrine of the Word of God and different applications for that. But now Peter has some specific Uh, action points or specific commands or specific traits that he wants us to live out. And so the first point that you'll see this morning is that we have a responsibility of forsaking sin and loving the saints. So here I am tying back verse 22 now to chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Again, forsaking sin and loving the saints. Peter now lists five attitudes or five traits here, uh, though there certainly are more, but Peter hones in uh, to, to kind of summarize uh, this, this kind of this antithesis of brotherly love that he has mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. He says, love one another from a sincere brotherly love. The opposite of that, Peter is now arguing, is the, are these things. It's malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So he talks about these five different things. He's, he begins in this way, so therefore, or so that, or put away, or therefore put away these things. And he lists these five attitudes or traits. The first one is malice. The word there is kakayan. It literally means evilness. It means evil. That, it could very well be that Peter is saying the very root of all of these other fruits that come is from this sin of malice. And from the tree of the rotten malice that you have in your heart comes this rotten tree that follows from it. Malice is the manifestation of hatred towards others. And we certainly see that even active and present in our world today from racism to evil thoughts to evil intentions and other types of evils that we would forsake those things, Peter is saying. That we would stop living in that attitude or mindset. Peter is instructing us to put away those types of evils and to pursue something better. Put away all Malice. Secondly, deceit, this cunning or way of thinking, this intentional deception. Paul carries up this idea in Colossians chapter 3 and talking, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. He talks about putting off or putting away your old self with anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And don't lie to one another either. Your malice and deceit, your hypocrisy, your false way of living. You, you claim to aspire one thing, but you live another. It is the direct opposite of the sincerity that Peter called for in verse 22 of chapter 1. It is a sincere brotherly love, not a hypocritical brotherly love that Peter is aiming for. Envy, jealousy, or spite, having living in spite of others, feeling like you are self-entitled, Living, it leads to living in a covetous way before others. And then slander, being evil in your speech. It's usually faceless. It's usually when the other party is not around. It's speaking intentional evil against your neighbor, maybe bringing into question, directly tearing down your brother instead of building them up. This is the attitude and the posture that Peter says 
we need to do away with. And he says all of those things, all of them. Notice the repetitiveness of his word, all. Put away all of this. Peter says we are to put them away. The same word that's used there, putting away, is the same word that Paul uses when he says put away these same types of sin as well. In Ephesians chapter 4, it's going to come on the screen. Notice this putting off and putting on. It's like taking on or removing or disrobing a garment and putting on something else. That's the notion that this word carries. It's putting off and putting on. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away, there it is again, all falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. He skips down in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, slander, to be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. He does it again in Colossians chapter 3. James uses this same word when he says in James chapter 1, therefore put away, disrobe yourself of these things and put on new clothes, is what Peter is saying. That's what Paul is saying. That's what James is saying. You have new clothes now as a believer and don't walk in the filthiness or rampant wickedness James says, and instead receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save your souls. It's like clothes that you formerly wore that you realize they have massive holes in them. And we are now to put those things aside, Peter says, and to clothe ourselves in contrast with that of the Spirit. This, these, these fruits, these attributes, these characteristics are directly opposing the fruit of the Spirit that God commands of us. That we should love one another. That we should forgive. That we should be joy-filled. And we are patient. And we are kind. And we are good towards one another. We are faithful to one another. We're not working against one another. We should love one another out of a sincere honesty and good intentions toward one another within the church. You give the benefit of the doubt. You carry your offenses lightly and you forgive. We are to live otherworldly. And Peter says, stop being angry. Stop feeling so wrath-filled towards others. Don't be malicious in your thoughts or your intentions with your mind. Stop being envious. Put it away. And if you're like me, you read that and you think, those are emotions. I I can't help the way that I feel. How how can Peter demand that I feel a certain way? How how can he demand and, and ask of me to change my emotions? And negatively, he speaks of these things, but positively, moving along to point number two, again, we should long, we should be longing and growing in maturity. Again, long for. 
My feeling? What are you talking about adjusting the way I feel? You can't, you can't control that, can you? And Peter says, you can. And he does it with the verb that he gives us here. He says, put away these things and long for. That's the word. It is an imperative. It is a command. It's the word epithutero. It means to desire earnestly or to long for. It's an imperative command, but it's also an, an active tense. In other words, the meaning of action, the burden of action, based on this verb that's used in 1 Peter, the burden is placed upon the subject to carry out the action. It's not passive, it's active. Peter means that you would go for this. You would long for this. Peter isn't just after your behavior, he's after your affections. Well, how in the world can we change our affections? And the answer is that it is through Christ's transforming power at work in your life. And that right thinking about Christ leads to right living and total transformation of self. But the Bible commands emotions all the time. Philippians 2, 4, or Philippians 4, do not be anxious. Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He continues in verse 5 of Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passions, these desires that you feel, evil desire and covetedness, which is idolatry. I don't even know where this stuff comes from within me half the time. Maybe it's what you're thinking. I don't know where these feelings and emotions, how in the world can I put it to death? First Peter chapter 5, cast all your anxieties on him. I don't even know where this anxiety came from. How am I going to do something with it? It's just an emotion I feel. It just happens. 1 Peter 2, or excuse me, 1 John 2. Do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but of the world. We're getting closer now commanding love. And that so much of our emotion stems, this is key, so much of our emotion stems from the things that we pursue and find pleasure in. And that's Peter's message, and it's in the same vein that Peter is making this argument, even here, namely, that instead, instead of pursuing these things, Peter argues that we should what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Pursue Christ and pursue his word more instead of your sin, is Peter's argument. I'll never forget the moment that this hit me like a ton of bricks. You may not remember this day, but this Alabama boy will never forget it. It was 2011. 
the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide. Ranked number two in the nation. Playing a rival foe in LSU, ranked number one at the time. And they met, as they always do, late in the season. National championship hopes and birth on the line. I just graduated from the University of Alabama. And so there was crimson running through my blood deep, brothers and sisters. And I was watching that game at Ashley's apartment. We were dating at the time. And two apartments beneath us, I guess, somewhere in the area, was what I will call an annoying, obnoxious LSU fan. Who's by his reaction, going outside on several occasions, screaming at the top of his lungs his love for his beloved Tigers, go Tigers, Tiger bait, whatever it is that they say. It was a hard-fought game, wasn't a whole lot of offense as normal, but what seemed to be at my final nerve at the end of the game, and every single break it seemed went LSU's way. And what I still think may be a slight conspiracy with Vern Lernquist and Gary Danielson and another blown field goal by an Alabama field goal kicker, imagine that, and my new friend two apartments away screaming at the top of his lungs, go Tigers, by the end of that game, I was so angry. I felt totally defeated and deflated. I'm going to be sick tomorrow. I'm going to call in. I'm not going to church. Maybe for you it's Kentucky basketball. When Evansville beats them. Just had to throw that out there. (laughs) Roll Tide. But you talk about every emotion. I had them. I had them and they were sincere over Don't miss this, over a football game. Over a football game, my pursuit of something carried my affections. And it was in that moment that I realized this is not worth it. I'm consumed by this, that you win or you lose. And yeah, it's awesome to have fun and cheer. And man, what revenge it was to meet them in the national championship. And LSU didn't get past the 50-yard line. It was awesome. But I really didn't care all that much anymore. Now, I still hate Auburn. It's a joke. What's the point? The point was my pursuit of this worldly thing drove my affections and my desires. And I was all been out of shape because Alabama didn't win. And so I said, you know what? I'm just not going to watch it anymore. And I didn't. I didn't watch really the rest of the season. You may say, well, Parker, you're just a sore loser. And maybe so. But I really didn't have any desire to watch the next season either. And what I began to see that what happened is that as I began to detach myself from the pursuit of that thing, my affections and emotions began to wane as well. And now, I really don't care. I really, I really don't. I mean, I can watch a game and have fun. It's all fun. But I don't get consumed by it anymore. What's the point? The point is that the things that you are pursuing 
are the things that will grab your affections and suck you in. And when Peter is aiming to us to change your affections and the scripture is pointing us to change our affections, he's aiming us to change our pursuit in reality. But what is it for you? Maybe it's, maybe it's a game. Maybe it's not a game. Maybe it's a drug or maybe it's lust or maybe it's a drink. Maybe it's the pursuit. It's always the pursuit, is it not, of something lesser. It's the pursuit of what we see as our treasure and we just got to get more. We just got to get more. We just got to, and we're enslaved by it. And it begins to grip us. And so Jesus offers us another way. This is what James was getting at in James chapter 4 when he says, what is it that causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Watch what he does. You desire because you do not have. I just want to get it. I just want to get it and I don't have it. You covet and you cannot obtain. I just want it and I can't have it. I want to pursue that. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask because you do not, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. The pursuit of your life, whatever that is, rest assured, beloved, passions from that pursuit will follow. And what is it for you? What is it that you can't get enough of? And you just got to have more of it. It'll consume you, and it'll deceive you. It will ensnare you and enslave you, and it will grip every fiber of your affections and will call for more and more of your attention. And so Jesus cuts at the very heart of this in Matthew 6, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch what he says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is this not the nature of being born again? That we receive, we've been given a new nature, we've been given a new pursuit, a new affection? And that Christ, now our Savior, is our treasure. We don't just love his commands. We love him and see him as supremely valuable. We pursue him more. We want to desire him more. And we're changed and transformed all the more through his grace. It's the imperative indicative that Peter continues to call us back to. Peter doesn't want you just to behave a certain way. Peter's not after behavior modification. Neither is the scripture I want your affections to be changed. I want your desires. I want you to be affected at the core. I want everything about you to be transformed by the affection of Christ and more of him. Pursuing a greater treasure. He says, obey him. And you should obey him. But remember, you've been redeemed, Christian. Put away all of these things and long for something better. The pure spiritual milk of God's word. In Hebrews chapter five and in 1 Corinthians, 
the Apostle Paul speaks of this pure milk or the milk as the word of God as something with negative connotations. What he's getting at is he is speaking at you need to grow and you need to grow into more mature and solid food. That is different the way that Peter is using this here in this text. Paul is arguing that you should grow and you should mature in your doctrine, your doctrinal understanding. You need to grow. You need to pursue weightier things and more meaty things. But that doesn't appear to be Peter's aim because he is tying it to a longing for something as infants. Peter isn't belittling them. Peter isn't talking down to them. He is trying to encourage them to continue in their sanctification through the word of God. It's likely that Peter was talking to new Christians. Some even believe that this might have been even means a letter that was written to catechize new believers and baptismal candidates in the early church. But in the same way, the only thing fitting for a newborn child is the pure milk from their mother. It's gonna help them grow and to mature. The same is true for us, beloved, in Christ. You've maybe seen a fussy or a young child that's maybe irritated because they are longing for the substance that will satisfy them from their mother. And their mother has exactly what they need. Every resource that they need to grow into growth and to maturity. And Christian, that is true. God means to supply you with everything that you need for growth and godliness in his word. So long for his word, Christian Peter isn't arguing so much about substance as much as he's arguing about just simply feeding from it. He's saying, Christian, if you want to grow, if you expect to grow, you have got to eat. And you've got to be fed by the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. That by it, what's he say? That we may grow up into salvation. These clothes that you put on you're just gonna help you grow. I know they don't feel like they fit right now. I know your former way of life was this way and I know these clothes that you've been asked to put on, you're not saving yourself, you're purifying yourself, not in saving yourself, but you're walking in the redemption that Christ is giving you. So obey the truth, yes, that wasn't your former way of life and you're gonna have a hard time trying to figure out how you're gonna walk in the truth now because you're not used to that. You're putting on new clothes, you gotta learn what it's like to wear these clothes. They may be a little baggy right now. But by the grace of God and by feeding on his word, you will grow into maturity in his living, abiding word that has caused you to be a born again. It will also grow you and sanctify you. So he says, so now put away these things. This is the garb I'm used to wearing because everything about my life used to be about this world. I used to live in evil and robbery and hypocrisy and self-absorbedness and, and speaking evil against others. Loving others, especially those in the church, was not my former way of life. It was not the way that I lived. But Christian, God is calling you to live differently now. God is calling you to forsake those things and to live according to his word. That was your former way of life, but by God's grace, it isn't anymore. And you now have a responsibility, Peter says in 1 Peter 1.22, to love your brothers instead and to put away this list of sin and evilness from among you. And in recognizing those things to be as evil, 
we don't try to justify our actions and act like they're no big deal. Instead, we genuinely love. We genuinely are kind. We live purely. We speak affirmatively to those who are made in the image of God. And why does Peter do that? Why does he say that we do that? Notice his line of argument. So that if that. This has taken place. He says, you have been born again. Walk in obedience in according to the living word of God. Obey this truth, this living and active word. So that, so put away these things because that is true. So put away these things. Like newborn infants, pursue his word. That, why? Why would we do that? That you may grow up into salvation. If, if what? If you have tasted, if you know his word, if you know his person, if you know the delight is in him, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So that, if that, you know your pursuit of better affections. Point number three, we are to pursue better affections. That is the pursuit that Peter is aiming for here. That we would pursue and desire Christ and his word above our sinful ways. If you recall back what Peter said about their former way of life in verse 18 of chapter 1, he said they were futile. It was a futile way of life. The psalmist says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And that is the nature of new birth, that Christ not only changes us, he changes our hearts and our affections, that we once previously pursued a way of life that we may have found pleasure in, but now we find a greater pleasure and joy in the person of Christ. Before it was in evil, it was in deceit, it was in elevating self, it was pursuing our own self-deserving spirit and belittling others. And Peter says, don't live like that way anymore. Instead, live in the Spirit. Put away the fruit of the flesh and live according to the Spirit because now you have tasted the sweetness of knowing Christ. You know the better affection. You now have a sweeter desire to pursue and a life in the Spirit according to His Word that is so much more satisfying. Believer in Christ, this will be your fight. This will be what you are fighting against to abandon your flesh and to clothe yourself with the Spirit. Do not love the things of this world, John says. For all those things are passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. 1 Peter 4, 2, so live the rest of your lives in the time of your flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Put off This way of life, the Apostle Paul says, make no provision for the flesh. What's the point? The point is that the way to fight against the persuasive nature of sin's promises is to find joy and satisfaction in a better affection. I'll say that again. The way to fight against the persuasive nature of sin's promises is to find joy and satisfaction in a better affection. Maybe you're living in those sins right now that Peter is warning us against. You're living in malice. You're living in deceit. You're living in hypocrisy. You're living in envy or slander. Peter's answer for you, this is so important, folks. 
Peter's answer for you, if you find yourself living in those things, Peter's answer isn't that you would try harder. It isn't that you would be driven to despair. It isn't that you would find yourself struggling with these things and say that there is no hope for me. Peter's answer is that if you find yourself struggling with your sin and struggling with these very things, that you would look to Christ and his gospel and that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. And that you would see the affection and a greater affection that Christ gives you and a greater pursuit. Peter is reminding us in the good news in this way to instead of tasting sin, taste Christ. And in knowing that the deceptive sweetness of sin is like artificial sugar or living on a sugar high. Sweet is the taste, but a crash is coming. Instead, we long for something better. We long for better substance. Substance from the true word of God. Substance from the person of Christ. And we taste and see that the Lord is good and we find all of our satisfaction in finding joy in Christ, resting in, that the demands that Christ is asking of us has been satisfied and accomplished through his son. And the pursuit is the pursuit of Christ now. And to, and to look to him, and it's in him that we fight sin. He sanctifies us. He conforms us to the image of his son through the sweetness of his word, imparting life to us, sanctifying us, and bringing us in conformity to the image of his son conclude with this, Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Sin is fun. Sin seems fun. Sin gives to you empty promises. Everyone, the gospel of Matthew said, everyone is traveling down that road. It's wide and it's leading to destruction and there are many that are on it and it is leaving, leading to their demise. But there's a better road. Christian, there is a better way and a better pursuit. And his name is Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. One of the greatest beauties in the Christian life is not only the redemption and pardon that Christ brings, but also the changing of our affections. I can't tell you on how many times, on numerous occasions, I've sat across the table confronting someone in their sin, gently loving them and reminding them to repent and turn to Christ. And almost unanimously, the response that I hear is this. I just don't have a desire to. And true, it may be. But sinner, you need to know this. The reason you have no desire anymore is because your appetite for sin has grown. And Christ has become bitter. And the truth that I remind myself of oftenly is that sin's appeal of promise is actually that of poison. And coming to Christ, we experience this joy of his presence, the embrace of his grace, the appeal of God's promise to satisfy us with more of himself. And Christ comes to us and redeems us. But beloved, in tasting Christ, he also changes our affections. And that sin becomes bitter. 
and Christ becomes delightingly sweet and good. And forsaking these sins isn't through you doing better. It's by you delighting in something better instead. Not your doing, but your delighting in Christ. And it's in that way when we come to his word and we see the person of Christ and we taste and see that the Lord is good. So good. So much better than my futile way of living. Let's pray together. Well, thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast. If you'd like more information about Grace Point Church, go to gracepointhenderson.com, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Grace Point Church Henderson. And if you live in the Henderson, Kentucky area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1015 a.m. For all of our listeners, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast.